Hey, FAC, Pastor Mike here. Thanks for joining us. We're so excited to worship with you today. Before we begin, I do want to remind you of two quick things. First, during this time, we want you to know that FAC as a church family is here to help. If you have any needs, please don't hesitate to ask. In order to help you most effectively, we've set up an online form that you can use to let us know of any needs that you may have. You can even use this form to submit prayer requests. We'll go ahead and provide a link to this form in the description of this video, and we would love to help you to the best of our ability. And second, just a reminder that since our physical gatherings have been canceled for the time being, we've made it easy for you to continue to give your normal offerings as you are able. All you got to do is visit faceerie.org slash giving, click the Give Now button, and follow the prompts. We're so thankful for those of you who have continued to give in such times of uncertainty. You have been a true blessing and a testimony of God's provision. As we begin, let's turn to God's word now as I read Psalm 113 in order to help us prepare our hearts for a time of worship. This is what the psalmist says. He writes, Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God who is seated on high, who looks far down on the heavens and the earth. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. Let's pray as we begin our time in worship. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today, another day to worship you, uh, to to come and uh, give our lives as an offering to you, Father. Would you hear our praise and would it be satisfying to your ears, Lord? I would ask that our uh, adoration would be for you, Father. Uh, We are so thankful for the ways that you have loved us and I pray, Father, that we can now reciprocate that love back to you and give you all the glory in your name and in the Spirit's name and in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen. Would you sing with us as we begin? Hello, church family. I'm Scott Sheffield, pastor of Care and Seniors at First Alliance Church. This morning, we're going to be talking about prayer And the title of what we're going to be talking about is Confessions of a Prayer Slacker. I'm going to be using the verse from Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, that says, Devote yourself to prayer, remaining alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. So let's start with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your words that are kept for us in the Bible, kept for us so that we can understand them and live by them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, with a sermon title of Confessions of a Prayer Slacker, you're probably wondering about one of three scenarios. Is this title just a generalization? Is Pastor Scott a prayer slacker? Or how did Pastor Scott know I'm a prayer slacker? To answer your questions, the title is not a generalization. And yes, I have been and too often continue to be a prayer slacker, And that's exactly why I know that you struggle with this too. Prayer does not come naturally to us, but the guilt of not having a robust prayer life, that does come quite naturally. So since I've told you that this is personal, you should probably know a little bit about my background as a Christ follower. 
I grew up in a family of people who had dedicated themselves to loving God and following Jesus. There were multiple generations of family members praying for me to also love God and follow Jesus from the time I was conceived, even before I was born. When I was seven, I confessed that God to God that I was a sinner who needed grace and forgiveness, that I was not worthy of his love, but that I would gladly take it. I learned from a very early age that God spoke to us through his word, the Bible, and that we could talk to him through prayer. But I openly admit to you that I struggled to do either of these consistently and to do them well. I'm guessing that you've had the same struggles if you've ever tried to be faithful in your prayer life. The first time that I can recall learning about having a personal prayer life probably occurred sometime while I was in elementary school. It may have been through a Sunday school teacher, or maybe at vacation Bible school, or perhaps even through one of my family members, like my parents or my grandparents. A little later on, middle school age, while I was at summer camp, I remember the speaker talking to us about having a quiet time with God. After learning everything there was to know about having a quiet time with God, we were encouraged to find our own special place, somewhere in the campground, away from other campers, where we could meet with God each day throughout that week. After finding just the right place, which was far enough from all, away from all of my friends so that they wouldn't see me, I sat down on the ground ready to meet God for an hour. One very long hour. Just me and God. God and me. Every single day of camp. Did I mention that these quiet times were supposed to last for an hour? I tried. I promise that I really did try. Now I lay me down to sleep. Now, wait. That's a prayer for babies. I can do better than that. I know. The Lord's Prayer. That's a grown-up prayer. So I closed my eyes and began reciting what I thought was just a Bible verse, not actually instructions from Jesus on how to talk with God. Our Father, who art in heaven. Art? I like art. I'm not very good at drawing, but I like to make things with clay or painting. I like painting. Hallowed be thy name. I never thought my name was very cool. Scott. It just sounds so plain. I mean, why couldn't mom and dad have given me a cool name like Tony or Craig or Rocky? You know, like Rocky Balboa from the movie? I love that movie. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Be done, be done, be done. Will this quiet time ever be done? I am so bored. B-O-R-E-D. Bored, bored, bored. On earth as it is in heaven. I wonder if Sylvester Stallone will be in heaven. That would be way cool if we were friends in heaven. I love how he got beat up like that and still knocked out Apollo Creed. Give us this day our daily bread. I am so hungry. I hope the scrambled eggs aren't runny like last time. Those were gross. I wish they'd make waffles. I love waffles, especially if they have strawberries and whipped cream. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us. What the heck is a trespass anyway? 
And why should I care if somebody tresses past me? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I am so tempted to short sheet Tom's bed. That would serve him right for taking the top bunk before I could take it. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. This hour feels like forever, forever. Amen. There, I prayed. Now what? I remember the speaker saying something about confession during prayer. So I started thinking of all the sins that I had committed, all the bad things that I had done. And granted, there weren't any sins that would have caused me to be arrested But there were plenty of things that I had done that I was sure fell far short of God's standard of good behavior. So I confessed my many sins of being mean to my big sister. I confessed my sins of perfecting the art of the white lie, told so that I wouldn't actually say lying words, but I wouldn't make myself look guilty either. I confessed spending money that I had promised to give to the missionaries on baseball cards. And I confess my current bad attitude about having to sit in the dirt for a whole stinking hour when I wanted to be in the swimming pool. Now, this last offense was the beginning for me of what some people have termed prayer guilt. Over the years, I have built up vast reservoirs of prayer guilt, and maybe you have too. Then I ran off to find my friends who I was sure must have finished their quiet time and moved into prayer guilt as well. Now, as I told you earlier, I grew up in a family of God lovers and Christ followers, and we were at God's house, church, all the time. When I say we attended church, I mean that we were there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday evening, and on occasional other nights for concerts, missions conferences, and prophecy conferences. I think our family was more faithful than the postal workers of whom it is said, neither snow nor rain nor heat nor gloom of night could keep us from driving to our beloved church. Now, please don't get me wrong. I loved our church. I loved going to church. I was glad then, and I'm glad now that we did. In addition to all the great teaching and the great examples lived out in front of me, all of my best friends were there. We loved hanging out in those buildings, singing and learning and probably getting into some mischief as well, although a lot less mischief than if my parents hadn't cared and let me do whatever I wanted. But somewhere along the line, I began to equate church attendance with being spiritual. And since we were there all the time, I figured I was quite the spiritual guy. In addition to my regular attendance, I read my Bible memorized a verse of scripture, prayed, and gave a part of my allowance in the offering because that was what was expected of good church kids. So attending church and Sunday school every week, giving to the Wednesday night kids program, attending a week of vacation Bible school every summer, going to summer camp, I must have heard more than a few lessons on prayer. I even learned to pray out loud in class. It wasn't a comfortable thing to do, and so we either prayed really short prayers like, Thank you, God, for this day, and bless the missionaries and heal the sick. Amen. Or, as one of my teachers told us, if we weren't comfortable praying out loud, we could just tap the guy next to us, and then he would pray. You have never seen a group of boys tap the guy next to them so fast. 
kids, I'm going to pray first. And if you don't feel comfortable praying, all you have to do is tap the person next to you. Got it? Okay. Dear God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your love for us and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And as the years went by, prayer remained about how fast I could get it done. That is, until a crisis would pop up, and then I would pray as hard as I could. But I really doubt God was fooled by my emergency mode prayers. I could almost hear God saying, How come you never talk to me unless you're in some kind of trouble? A valid question, considering I basically talked at him when I prayed at all. Well, now that's probably an overstatement because I have, at least as an adult, always wanted to have a good prayer life. I've just struggled to develop it. I've tried all the methods. A prayer journal where I would write down my prayer request with a date next to them and then put a check mark next to the date that they were answered. The problem with that? It became more of a checklist than a reminder. Oh, and after writing all those prayer requests down, I began to realize how self-centered my prayer life really was. Does this surprise you or maybe even shock you that a pastor admits that he struggles in his prayer life? I have to admit, it's quite humbling to stand up here and admit it, especially now that it's been saved on audio and video. So what changed? I mean, you should be assuming that something has changed, Otherwise, what credibility would I have in standing here and talking to you about prayer? Now, I'm not saying, I got this, everybody, so come listen to the expert on prayer spout his wisdom. I'm still very much on the journey. I have my good days and my not-so-good days. Times when I'm communing and communicating with my God, and days when I feel like I'm just reciting a list. So what's changed? I'll be honest with you. It started when our children became teenagers. (laughs) Big surprise, right? Whether it was rebelliousness or questioning God's existence or a teenager being critically hurt in an accident, I have never prayed before like I did during those times. Psalm 145.18 says, The Lord is near to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. When we recognize our prayers tend to be self-centered and childish and, and or promoted only by crisis, then how do we move beyond that? And how do we overcome some of the basic symptoms of a prayer slacker, such as something that I call PADD, Prayer Attention Deficit Disorder? We've all struggled with this, right? You're praying and then your mind wanders and pretty soon you have no idea how you got to where you are or maybe even you fell asleep right in the middle of praying. One way to overcome PADD is to get organized. James 4.8 says, Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now, let me personalize that. Scott, draw near to me. And I, your God, will draw near to you. Here's another excuse. I'm too busy. Our lifestyles allow us to morph this type of laziness. And yes, I am calling busyness a form of laziness. Our lifestyles allow us to morph this type of laziness into a generally accepted excuse. 
We are so busy going to church and doing stuff for God that we don't have time to be with God. That's the definition of irony. Jeremiah chapter 29 verses 12 through 13 says, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me and when you seek me with all of your heart. Have you ever heard of the Wesleys? This remarkable 18th century English family played a vital role in the early Christian movement right here in America. John Wesley was part of the launching of the Methodist denomination, and his brother Charles is remembered for writing more than 6,000 hymns. That's right, 6,000. But those were just two of the 19 children that were born to Samuel and Susanna Wesley, although 10 of them died as infants. At one time, Samuel left Susanna for more than a year after they had an argument over something that people said was quite trivial. But it must have been one whopper of a fight for him to leave her for over a year with nine children and no means of support. But through those many hardships Susanna experienced, she continually grew stronger and more determined in her prayer life and to raise her children to honor God. Now, why am I telling you about Susanna Wesley? Because it would have been so easy for her to say, what difference are my prayers making? Why me? And just give up. Instead, she instilled discipline and order in her home by maintaining a relentless practice of daily prayer. You may have heard the story of when on different occasions she was unable to find a quiet place in her house for prayer. Now there's a surprise, right? With nine kids... She would take her apron and flip it over her head. That way she would have the peace and quiet that she was looking for, but it was also a sign to her kids that mom was about to go to prayer. And not just for a few minutes, but sometimes for up to two hours. She had arranged a system so that the older children would take care of the younger ones during that time. So let's remember our theme verse here from Colossians 4.2. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Now, I want to take the rest of our time to go over 10 practical tips for prayer. Here's the first one. Pray simply. Now, I don't mean to never move past God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food. And can I just say that good and food don't even rhyme? What I'm saying is this. Just pray from your heart not to impress anybody. Matthew 6, 7 says, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the unbelievers do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Let's throw away this idea that God is more impressed with a 30-minute prayer than a 10-minute prayer, or that God smiles when you use a $5 college word. Okay, maybe he does smile when we mispronounce that $5 college word. Here's tip number two. Read the Bible and pray over the verses. Have you ever had one of those one-sided conversations when the other person does all the talking and doesn't do any of the listening? How did that make you feel? That's exactly how God feels, I think, when we do all of the talking in prayer and don't listen to what he has to say to us. If you want to have a more effective conversation with God, Read scripture. Let David's words in the Psalms enliven your prayers. 
from Psalm 1914. He said, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Stop in the Gospels to pray over a verse that strikes you, asking God to work that truth into your heart. Let the words of the Apostle Paul give you specific prayer requests for yourself and for the people that you love. And don't forget, Romans 8.26 says, In the same way, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Let me give you just a few examples. Go to Exodus chapter 13 to ask for God's favor. Or Philippians chapter 1 as you pray for other Christians. Or Psalm chapter 51 as you pray for guidance. Or Jonah chapter 2 when you're asking God to help you keep your commitments to him. And of course there's always the Lord's prayer, his instructions for prayer to us found in Matthew chapter 6 verses 9 through 13. Here's the third tip. Make your prayers more active. Now, I don't necessarily mean pray while you're doing your beach body routine or P90X, although I have found that praying while I'm running can be effective. I was actually thinking of maybe playing some worshipful music softly in the background while you pray, or perhaps writing your prayers out as a prayer letter to God. Now, sometimes I kneel while I'm praying because I help it I think it helps me feel more worshipful and even submissive to God. Although I do admit that my 55-year-old knees need a pillow between them and the hard floor. Psalm 95.6 says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Maybe if you're alone, praying out loud will keep you more focused. And if you aren't alone, it's going to... Make people stare at you. Psalm 142.1 says, With my voice I cry out to the Lord. With my voice I plead for mercy to the Lord. Here's the fourth tip. Make prayer a part of your day all day long. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17 says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Is it really possible to pray all day long without ceasing? Try this experiment. Start your day and end your day with prayer. And lift up short prayers to God as often as you can throughout the day. Psalm fifty-five, seventeen says, Morning, noon, and night I cry out in my distress, and the Lord hears my voice. Pray over your schedule. Ask God to help you with your to-do list. When you hear a troubling news report or read something in a news feed that makes you anxious, lift that situation up to God. Say a prayer for your spouse or your child as you give him or her a hug. Pray for the person that you're talking to. Here's tip number five. Pray expecting an answer. Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. I think prayer is just more exciting when we keep our eyes open to watch for how God is going to answer our prayers. How about getting started today? Don't get discouraged if you get distracted like we all do at times. Just get back on track. Tomorrow is a new day. 
As Lamentations chapter 3 says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Here's tip number six. Pick a time and a place. Now, you can pray anytime and anywhere. You remember Jesus met a woman beside a well who thought that we all had to be in a very specific place in order for God to hear our prayers. And this is what Jesus said to him in John chapter 4, or said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, we worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. So pick a consistent time and a place where you can be alone. It might be in the morning. It might be during a long commute to work or to school. It might be during your lunch break. Or maybe at some convenient time in the evening, perhaps even after the kids have gone to bed. The times and the places can and will be different for everyone, but it should be consistent for you. And Jesus is clear that it should also be consistently alone. Not exclusively, but consistently. Matthew 6, 6 says, But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. Tip number seven. Prioritize the spiritual over the physical. Often when people ask me how they can pray for me, I I start thinking about different things that are going on in my schedule or how I feel. And those things are important, and they're not wrong to pray for those. But if we only have that mentality in prayer, we may never pray for anything other than physical, financial, or relational needs. Now, those needs are important, but they pale in comparison to our spiritual and eternal needs. Paul says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Does that mean that we will never have to worry about or spend time on our physical needs, food, work, sickness? Absolutely not. And a great example of that comes directly from the Lord's Prayer when he says, give us this day our daily bread. It doesn't get much more basic than that. But what it does mean is that this life is mainly about unseen realities. At the end of each day, what matters most happens at the spiritual level, not the physical. That reality should be lived out in our prayer lives. We should spend as much time praying for our souls and for the salvation of our loved ones as we do praying for anything else. We need to be praying for the spread of the gospel and for the establishment of God's glory in his kingdom. These prayers shouldn't be tacked on at the end of what we think our real prayer needs are. Tip number eight, don't be afraid to stop and pray right now. Prayer should be prioritized and scheduled, but the beauty of our relationship in Christ is that prayer can happen anywhere and anytime. It should start between you and God, but it shouldn't stay there. 
When you feel the impulse to pray, seize it. Take the prompting of the Holy Spirit. When I was a college student, the leader of a ministry that I was involved in took some time one evening to catch up with me. And before we were done, towards the end of the conversation, he asked how he could pray for me. I gave it some thought, and I shared a few things with him that I really thought that he would pray for me at some point if he remembered, or if he was really spiritual, that he might go home and write them down in some kind of a prayer journal and pray for me a few times. To my surprise, he asked me if he could pray for me right then. That was a game changer for me. You want to know why? Because I knew that Jim Reese cared about me. He really cared about me, and I knew that he really believed in the power of prayer. I learned an important lesson that evening, and I've tried to follow that example. One way to ensure that you do pray for someone when you say that you're going to is to pray for them right then. But I feel in addition to invoking the power of Almighty God, it immediately encourages that person who hears you praying for them. Tip number nine. Ask whatever you wish. No, I mean it. Anything. John fifteen seven. Jesus said, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. If we're honest, most of us lack the courage and the imagination in our prayer lives that we need. We have this tiny little box of routine things that we're willing to ask God for and we take everything else on on our own. We assume that God is either not interested in our stuff or he doesn't have time for the small details of my life. And we can't even imagine him conquering a global crisis like 40 million people in slavery today and six and a half billion more enslaved to sin and on a path leading them to eternal punishment. And so we settle for these middle-of-the-road, mediocre prayer requests. We wait to pray about something until it becomes serious enough for God to care about. And we don't pray for something unless we expect him to do something in the next week or so. Do we have enough courage to pray that God will save the 42 million people in the Ukraine who have yet to put their faith and trust in Jesus? Or the half million who have never even heard of Jesus in that country where our international workers, Steve and Christy, are headed later this year. Is that too big for God? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Do we have enough imagination to ask God to end sex trafficking in Thailand and Kenya and Myanmar, countries where this church is working to end this abomination? We pray to God who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. Jesus said, if you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, the mountain of sex trafficking or unreached people group, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Will we believe Jesus and pray for big things? Do we have enough faith to think that God cares about another Monday morning at work or with the kids? God cares about everything in your heart and life, down to the very smallest things. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. Your random conversation with that friend, your sleep tonight, the bills that are stacking up waiting to be paid, 
but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Anything and everything, every day. Don't be afraid to pray big prayers and small ones. And here's the last tip. Be willing to ask one more time. Jesus knew that we would lose heart in prayer, specifically that we would pray for things just for long enough that we would start to question if God was actually listening or that he might ever answer. But he doesn't want us to lose heart or to give up. He wants us to keep asking and keep pleading and keep praying. He told his disciples a story about a widow seeking justice from a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. She pled and she pled with him. And Luke writes this in Luke chapter 18, verses 4 through 8. For a while that judge refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, he will find faith on will he find faith on earth? The widow was rewarded for her persistence by an unrighteous judge. How much more will God listen to his precious sons and daughters who ask and ask and ask? If the unrighteous judge could not ignore her, how much more will our Heavenly Father hear us? Don't think about praying for that need or desire for decades. Just focus on praying about it today. If God has given you a burden or a desire to pray for that for another day, and you really believe that burden or desire to be from Him, be willing to ask one more time. One more prayer for relief, for reconciliation, for provision, for a breakthrough, for salvation for your child or spouse or parent. God is still listening. Are we still believing? Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7, verses 9 through 11. Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? He won't give you a stone. He won't give you a serpent. He loves you. He knows what's best for you, and he's listening. Don't be afraid to ask again. Write down that one big prayer request. Maybe make it the, the home screen on your computer or your phone. Maybe it's salvation for your spouse or your child or your parent. Somebody that you've prayed for so many times that you think God must be tired of hearing your prayer. Or maybe it's that embarrassing sin that you just can't seem to overcome. Or an unreasonable boss that you can never seem to please. Or that financial mess that's building up right now. Or a rebellious teen. Put that prayer request in your Bible or, or put it on your refrigerator. 
Now, that's not a good idea if the person you're praying for also uses that refrigerator. But let's go to prayer right now. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would listen to our prayers and that you would keep us faithful in asking that we would trust you for the answers, knowing that you are a good and powerful and loving God. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.